We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show for the third episode in a row. No, fourth episode in a row. We're saying Yankees just won a series, two out of three. Still a 108-win pace. Have the Rays won again? Is it deja vu all over again? Are the Rays still on a hunt? Did they, did they play today? What's, what are the I don't ways? know if they played today, but they were 11-0 last time I checked. On, I on the road to be 13-0 because the fucking Red Sox suck and they're going to they beat the tonight. shit out of them. I think, I, I think they're playing tonight. We're recording this. They play at 640. We're recording this right after the game on Wednesday in Cleveland, which the Yankees came from behind and won. Weird-ass game. Frustrating, then then good, then also like, oh my gosh, is he gonna blow it? Then they didn't. So, but they did. Well, yeah, they held on. Didn't, obviously, yeah. but like, just how that game started was one of the most bizarre, confusing situations. Because, like, just quickly set the scene. If anyone listening to this doesn't know what happened in the first inning on Wednesday, there was first, uh, excuse me, second and third, as we just learned, second and third with one out, Clark Schmidt on the mound, who had given up already two bloops to center field that Aaron Hicks caught one and didn't catch another. And another bloop to center field, Aaron Hicks come, comes in, looks like he catches it to the naked eye, but it ends up being that he dropped the ball. The ball came out of his glove. However, it was ruled on the field that it was a catch, and then he threw back to second base to get the runner who thought it was an out trying to tag back. That was the end of the inning because the run did not score. Turns out he didn't really catch the ball. But Cleveland, Francona, did not challenge this play until after the commercial break or until after he saw on the Jumbotron, like, oh, hey, he actually dropped that. Even though the rule clearly states you got 15 seconds to basically throw the challenge flag and he didn't do that. And The, the guys umpire, on Yes were saying that the umpires made that decision and it did not come from Francona, which I didn't know they could do. So the umpires can now just overturn a call if they see that they were wrong? 
I mean, first of all, I don't hate that. It, like that, but I don't hate that. Right. I don't the hate that the umpires right. want to get a call right if they see something. It's a matter of how they got to it and how and, and and the fact that it was well after. But if there's a if the letter of the law says that 15 seconds has to happen and that's part of this pace of play and all the changes and such, that that the umpire, I'm sorry, that the um, manager has to has to throw the flag and challenge the play. I don't. I didn't know that the umpires can just be like, oh well, you know, I've we heard we heard some whispers. Before. Or we saw the the jumbotron show a thing, right. and then we're like, "Oh no, let's get this right." Like that's not that's not part of this whole system. That's that's I've, a, never, I've, that's I've a never seen that happen. I've never seen that happen before. I've never seen the umpires just overturn a call. Now, granted, if Aaron Hicks could just catch a goddamn ball, then we wouldn't be having this conversation. There's many conversations that we right, wouldn't this be is having. All Aaron, Aaron Hicks is if Aaron I Hicks had, would just catch a ball. The yeah, first I one, such- catch the ball. Second one, okay, fine, nice conservative slide to get into it. Caught the ball, thank you. Third one, catch the ball. And as soon as it as soon as it went down, I was like, mm. and then I saw the replay as they were going to commercial break, and you saw a little bit of white just hit. I'm like, oh my god, it bounced! It bounced after it hit the heel of his glove. And I'm just yelling, you know, squeeze your goddamn glove, squeeze, hold the ball. Well, essentially, it was three of the exact same play, like yeah. not easy Pretty plays, close. but also not really that difficult of plays. Like you're running in on a ball and you're sliding to catch it. Like it's a nice catch, but those are three catches that. Every center fielder, every center fielder in Major League Baseball should be able to make. Even if you haven't been a good center fielder for five years, Aaron Hicks, you should still be making that catch. He did make the second one. The first one hit off the heel of his glove. He didn't catch it. And then the third one, it kind of just got fell out of his glove and he didn't catch it. I had such a swing of emotions on Aaron Aaron Hicks because he's been getting shit on, right? He's deservedly so. He's the player that everyone is shitting on so far this year. He has gotten the fewest starts out of the outfield because, like, we're going to talk about Franchi Cordero. Don't worry. This is the Franchi Cordero episode. Like, he he is somehow amazing. And so Franchi Cordero is getting a ton of playing time that Aaron Hicks probably thought he was going to get. Uh, and then there he is on, on a getaway day in a lineup that, that was it was a budget Yankees lineup that they're trotting out there for getaway day. And it's Aaron Hicks in center field. And the first play of the game, drops and i'm i I genuinely was like looking at him like i'm not far away from just feeling bad for this guy because like that's how it's going that's how bad of a season i feel like he's gonna have and then he made the catch on the next one i'm like ah Aaron hicks redeemed himself and then he made what i thought was a double plan it's like he redeemed himself it's all all is good but no didn't happen clark schmidt ends up giving up the hit to, to score the runs tough tough spot for schmidt in that inning like dude gave up three bloops to center field yeah, I mean, honestly, we'll talk about Hicks, but the the we, we I know we're going to go into Schmidt, and I don't want to be I don't want to be cast as a, a Schmidt apologist at, at all because he needs to be better. But I thought he was better today. Uh, he certainly got zero help. Um, I know the guys pulled some of the uh, the the pitch selection and what what we saw today. So we'll we'll, we'll get into that in a little bit. But but yeah, man, Hicks has got to make the play. You, you got to make that play. Here's the thing: when I'm looking at now, what is what value does he bring this team? He doesn't. He doesn't bring any value. He can't. He doesn't bring value on the offensive side. He doesn't bring value on the defensive side. If Esteban Florial, who passed through waivers and now is with the Scranton Wilkesbury Rail Riders, is out in the field, that's three defensive runs saved, <laughs> basically, mm-hmm. with, with with a defensive outfielder out there. And that's it. Like th- he provides zero offense, and we know that zero offense, Florial. But you know what he can do? He can catch the ball. He can catch the ball, and he can he can he can range. Um, you know, forward, forward and backwards and, and some, some lateral ranging and, and Hicks, you know, with a, with a pretty standard center field slide catch, he just can't do it. And 
he's a liability right now. He's a liability. I don't feel bad for him. That's like the dad in you speaking, I think, because this is not the Andrew I know. But I mean, I get what you're saying from from a personal perspective, like from the guy, the the, the man. Okay, fine. The baseball player, I got nothing for him. He's a bad baseball player. No, not from the baseball player. I don't want him playing. That's not what I'm saying. We reached this point, I thought, with Joey Gallo last year too, where he was benched basically. And... Before he even left the dugout, the guy is getting booed, right? Like before he even went up there to strike out, which he would do, right. he would get booed. And at that point, you do have to feel bad on a personal level from someone, didn't sure. you? I mean, last year, um, Gallo talking about how he didn't want to leave his apartment because he was so ashamed and shit like that. Like, yeah, that's sad. It's sad, right? Like, you know sad. what? Yeah, maybe it is the dad of me talking. The, wor- the, wor- <laughs> the world needs ditch diggers too. You know what I'm saying? It's like, we're going to, I have a little Joey Gallo segment for this episode later on. Don't worry. No, so, can't wait. Can't yeah, wait for that. Flor- Florio yeah. did hit two homers in his uh, return to Scranton. But oh, quickly, look at that. Uh, were, you, were you watching the MILB? Were you watching no, a little, no, little MILB uh, there? I heard K or Meredith. Didn't Meredith give the update last night that it was like 800 home feet of home runs or something? Uh, like. I didn't. I didn't Whee! hear that. Update. Okay, great. I smell Florial quad A player. Good. So for a couple of things that guys are putting in chat here after because we're, we're recording this right after the game. So Boone and everyone's talking. <laughs> Boone said he felt the umpires were swayed due to the crowd seeing the replay on the. Yes, screen, of course they were. And that the the umpires had uh, you know got together and then made made the decision. Terry Francona said he thought that the Yankees challenged the tag up at third base, not scoring, which prolongs the ability to challenge all plays. And then Jack Curry, apparently on postgame, is mentioning that the scoreboard operator posted the play was under review before the umpires made the official call that it was being under review. So is that... So the like, scoreboard operator scoreboard made... operator, like, wow. chicanery? He, he, yeah, this, I mean, good for him. Like, that's that's a great scoreboard operator. Assuming so that, that obviously gets the crowd going, but can't yeah. the umpires be like, uh, no, it's not under review. We did not. Yes, they absolutely could. Under review. <laughs> wow, what an assumption! That's that's a that's a good good job on that guy. Give that scoreboard operator a raise, right? Yeah, <laughs> like that yeah. is some quick thinking on his feet. Yeah. Um, no, no, I, right. I, I, no, I don't understand. Point, I don't understand how it happened, but yes, I know what you're about to say. They got the call correct. The, the call was correct, right? Like, did the Yankees potentially get screwed in that scenario by the letter of the rule book? Yes, yes. but. What should have happened in the actual baseball game is that's not an out. So I'm kind of okay from that standpoint. As long as the call is right, I can I can accept things. I can live with it as well. The way it went down was should, was was bullshit. Uh, and and the umpires like that's a really really dicey precedent to set. <laughs> the, the the fact that a scoreboard operator can now yeah. affect what the umpires are doing. Or, you know, even just, you know, the replay guy who puts it on the big board, if he's really fast and there's a close call and they see something and he's really fast so that the umpires can see it and now they're, they're changing their mind. Well, it's already been done now and it's going to be, you know, held up. I don't know if ML, MLB's got to have a statement about this. Well, this opens up Pandora's it. box, right? Yeah. Because if the umpires can literally just watch the replay on the big board and say, oh, I got that one wrong, you know, overturned. Then what are we doing challenges for? So the uh, there have been so many changes. I feel like uh, we need like a refresher on all of the things and what's what's allowed. Is there nobody at MLB or maybe I'm is this is this, is this just the NFL? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is there so, still, there's someone at MLB yeah. who can hit a buzzer and say like, hey, that call was wrong. Or is that oh, is that still a thing or no? I, was that a playoff no. thing? I don't know. Was that a different that? sport? The replay is happening at the MLB headquarters, I believe, in yeah. Manhattan. 
where so in the and I know in the NFL life. that's happening where they can buzz someone and be like, hey, hang on, we're, we're taking a look at this under X amount of to time. To me, that would be better because you could do that so quickly, right? right. No matter what thick, obviously you're not going to do this for balls and strikes, but like any actual play, guys trying to steal second base and the umpire calls him out and then someone's watching, there's a, a game operator watching, oh, yeah. no, he was safe, buzz, he was safe, boom, that takes 10 seconds, we're done right. and the call's right. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I would, I, I think that that would actually be the best way to go. It makes a lot of sense. We have the technology to do it. These, these stupid, like, oh, do I challenge this? Do I not challenge this? Do I have to save my challenge for the late innings? It's like, yeah, it's so yeah, my, my hand was up, but so I was stupid. scratching my ass. And then, uh, you know, the, it, there's just so much gray area. If they took it out of the, uh, out of the hands of the people and just got the call right, then, then yeah, yeah. Okay. Yes. You have to employ a few more people at MLB to make sure that they're, they're, they're watching all of these plays. I don't even think so because every single umpiring crew has a umpire in the, like basically in the bullpen, not yeah. literally in the bullpen right on reserve. In well, case they needed it today. <laughs> right. Exactly. But like, so that couldn't that umpire do it. Sure. I mean, whatever the process is, I don't give a shit. Just, you know, implement something that makes sense. This is this is the common sense department. This is the common sense department. Where you know, just get the call right. Isn't that the whole point of of of, of review in the first place? Get the call right. You know, why you does someone if someone's if someone's a little delayed or they have you know, because they're looking at something or it, it, just get it right. And and if we have the people to do that, if you have yeah, an excess uh, ex, uh, a reserve umpire or whomever, like it doesn't even need to be that. It can be someone at in New York in in a MLB office. In the, in, a, in the back cave. Yeah, but I, but then you literally probably do need 15 employees doing that because you can't have somebody doing multiple games. Fine, fine. Put the, put the employees there then. Good. We're creating jobs now too. Common sense. Okay? <laughs> well, we're not gonna... all 15 games are happening at the same time. So no, somebody could we're stimulating the economy. This is, this is good work that we're doing. This is, this is, this is good work. <laughs> what is this? Well, like, what, what, what are we talking about? Is this an hourly job or is this a salaried position? Oh, if we're, I mean, if we're, if we're talking here, if this is gospel, it's a this salary. I'm giving people, I'm giving people positions. livelihood. Yeah. You don't want someone making, you know, 16 bucks an hour. Just no, like no. Then there's, like, yeah. you don't know who. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then there's some, you need someone with, uh, that's dedicated to this. This is a, this is an important job. <clears throat> Speaking of the umpire though, my God, did, did he get drilled in the yeah, face? That's just why, like, it's just such a weird game because that's how the Yankees, you know, scored their runs is on on a relay throw, just taking one to the dome. Well, the they had no chance at the plate. I mean, the, he was going to be safe whether that that ball but was through was or not. A weird ricochet, runners yeah. advance. Yeah, it was, it was strange. It was. Yeah, I'm surprised that doesn't happen more often, to be honest. But man, did he get he get tattooed in the temple? It looked like it was bad. Yeah, it's um. I would say umpires getting drilled is definitely more rare than like referees in NFL getting run into and stuff like that. Yeah. Even that, you don't see it as much. Um, but yeah. Uh, Ilya saying that it was held at third base. Run wouldn't have scored if the ball didn't ricochet. Okay. Yeah, well, the second run, right? The second run wouldn't have scored. Yeah. The, yeah. So who knows what happens, you know, as, if, as the inning continues. But <clears throat> um, yeah, and Oswaldo. Which uh, John Sterling apparently called him Orlando Cabrera on the on the radio broadcast. Orlando nice. Cabrera did play for the then Cleveland Indians. He played for a bunch of teams. I thought he played with the Indians more. He only played, I think, like one season there. He was just so the Padres. Um, yeah, uh, you know, confused a little bit, but Oswaldo Cabrera comes through with the clutch hit. A lot of a um, lot of yes guys calling the Guardians the Indians as well. A lot of that happening over the week, over the series. That's still happening. This is the third it season. It happened in now, the booth right? like three times. And then Kay did it, I think, yesterday. 
Aren't Someone, we yeah. on the third season of the Garden Guardians <laughs> yeah. at this yeah. point? Like we are. <laughs> let's let's all get it on this on the same let's page now. Let's yeah. tighten it up. But we spent last episode talking about Clark Schmidt and how he's just hittable, how his pitches, you know, his cutter has been really hittable. So we took a look at his pitch mix today because he did look a little bit better. Yeah. And it's tough to hold that first inning against him, honestly. Right. Um, he had previously been utilizing the the basically cutter more. And today he didn't. He threw 23 knuckle curveballs. He threw 16 sweepers, which is a, a It's slider. a slider, guys. It's a slider. He, he threw 15 sinkers, 14 cutters, uh, three change-ups, and one single lone four-seam fastball mm-hmm. in his 72 pitches. So definitely a spike up in his knuckle curve, which we mentioned last time. You know, knuckle curve, that's your that's been your best pitch throughout your minor league career. Yeah. Utilize the damn thing more. And I thought he was better today. I mean, he, he wasn't great, but he was better. I thought his control was better. There was that one pitch uh, that there was a called strike three where Higgy had to go back over the plate. But there was something that was strange about that because Higgy pointed back at Schmidt like he like it was a good pitch. So I'm wondering if there was a cross up on Higgy's side that the pitch was supposed to be there. I don't know because I'm not if I'm the catcher, I'm not like, hey, pointing good pitch to, to the uh, pitcher when I'm going to the complete other side of the plate because he I mean, if, if that if the intended spot of that pitch was supposed to be on the outside of the plate. It ended up on the inside corner of the plate. That's a terrible miss if that's the case. So I, I don't really know how to feel about that one. Um, but I did think that for the most part, his control was better. And yeah, like my just by watching it, you could tell that the knuckle curve was coming out a lot more. He was throwing the curveball a lot more. That's his best pitch. I uh, f- firmly agree with this. Throw the knuckle curve more. That's a it's a it's your best pitch. You should you should lean on it more. Um, and he did. And I think that if he were, if 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 Aaron Hicks could catch a, a ball in the outfield, you know, we're seeing inning. we're seeing five six innings from Schmidt, and I think it's yeah. a different story. So right. yeah, I think it's encouraging from him. It's it's tough to come out of that and say, you know, these were. And, oh, by the way, none of those were charged errors either in Hicks. I guess if you slide at that point immediately, you're no longer uh, you're it's no longer again, considered it's a, it's a catch. It's yeah. the the official scorer can decide like, oh, is that a tough play? I'm not going to charge you with an error. I mean. Yeah, Stupid. I guess so. But also, you could have been there sooner. There's a lot of honestly. That there on. needs to be. I'm almost feeling like errors. You could just do whatever the catch probability is. Like Logan, can you look up the catch probability on those three things? Oh, you're saying Aaron just make hits? it like a baseline. Yeah. Like yeah. If the catch not? probability, if the catch probability is over X percentage and you don't do it, no matter what, it's an error. Well, I mean, that's that is tough considering. Um, I don't. It's. Depending My on the guess speed is of the, the catch of the probability play. on those balls are all over like seventy <laughs> percent. Yeah, either high, they should be pretty high because it's not like he got great jumps on them either. Um, I mean, I uh, Florial catches all three of those with without an issue. Without Bader any catches issue. them barehanded, right? Bader and catches them probably also. pulls a muscle doing so. Bader catches them in a pool. Okay, he's he's Let's he's he, he he doesn't even need to get that low. But yeah, they, I mean, if you have if you have a um, if you have some catches by by Aaron Hicks in that inning, I think we feel and it looks a lot different aesthetically the the start. And I do think that he then gets through five potentially six innings. Um, so yeah, tough tough uh, tough spot for him. But I, you know personally, I'm encouraged with what I saw in it. Yeah, I think. Okay. I think. What do we got? I have the um, expected batting average, which I guess is like a the okay. opposite of that. Um, so the first one by Stephen Kwan, an eight ten expected batting average. Eight so, ten. 810. Um, the double by Jose Ramirez was a 290 okay. um, expected batting average. 
Um, and then the line out, the one that he caught was uh, 770 expected batting average. So are we, is the inverse of that the catch probability? Kind of. I mean, I, I would say I'm going to continue to look for it. But So on the 810 one, would the catch probability be one or 19%? If I had to guess, it would be somewhere around there. Wow, that's not what I thought. I mean, obviously, they do this based on like launch angle, exit velocity, and positioning yeah. of field. All right, take it back. So, that's a bad idea. Do not gauge errors <laughs> off of that. It's just an eye test, though. Those should be catches. <laughs> those should be catches. Yeah, uh, four yeah. catches all. Like three he was there, right? Exactly. Those. Like Ilya just made the point. Like it's not like he feel that he just didn't. He was two steps away from catching the ball. No, no, no. It hit your glove. Okay, like he, he went into a he went into a slide because it's easier to catch low at, at that point rather than try to make a shoestring. So that's a choice that you're making at that point to get to a better place to catch that ball. And you just didn't execute the catch. Yeah, it's it. For my narrative, the second, are, the second drop, catch the second drop, I believe should be an error. The first drop, if you're like, it was probably a tougher play. I look at my, from, from the eyes, but yeah. Also the Josh Naley single, which was the one that caused all the controversy. I didn't say this was a 580 expected batting average. That was the right. single that Those he are caught all, that didn't catch. Those are all higher than I would have expected. Honestly. It also depends on where the guy was. Where, where did this? Where does the center fielder start on that at, at bat? Is he? Is I think he that's ranging deep. Is he, yeah, it's take, that's taken into. I don't account. know how you like could how possibly. It's yeah. how okay. far the, the expected range. The expected batting average is strictly based on exit velocity, launch oh, angle, no position, no position fielder, or no fielder oh, positioning. Okay. That, 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 Technically, so that for work. expected batting average, that would be. It's just saying that's like, kind of that's kind of that, hard those. to apply though, because that is just taking all all balls ever hit with those statistics, right? Yeah, that's, that that doesn't like, work. I don't like that. Yeah, no, it's not anyway. a direct comp. <clears throat> anyway, uh, King was great in his two innings of work, and Clay Holmes was not great in his single inning of work. He walked two and hit a batter, made it extremely nerve wracking in the ninth inning but got out of it. This is exactly what happened last year with Holmes when he struggled. This is command just is not there. Yeah. It's concerning when you see that he's been good up, up, up he to that. Great his last time out. Yeah. And, uh, and he did make a good pitch to get out of that, out of the, uh, out of the inning to close the game out um, after, after the bases were loaded. So uh, no harm, no foul, I guess at this point they, they, they did win the game. I'm really, really, really happy that they won that game. I thought the Yankees fought back after some bullshit in the beginning of it. It's like the game of baseball corrected itself uh, in, in in the way it was supposed to happen. So, you know, another series win, another series win, and and today was a weird day, like you, like you said. But I'm, I thought they showed something getting into that. Uh, IKF made a fantastic play, fantastic third base play, fantastic. <laughs> Do you want to talk about the ball he booted? No, fantastic, fantastic play. Um, you want to talk about his negative sixty two OPS plus? No, no, he's hitting the ball. He's squaring it up a lot better now. He had a a, a good uh, hard hit ball that uh, that went into left field today. So you know, I'm looking at what I see today. Hold on, catch probability is not a, not a publicly yeah, available I can't, stat. I swear, I've seen p- catch probability I, on baseball. I thought so too, but I when I just did when I just did a quick Google search, I it said not publicly. Like the whole like for specific plays, it's not available like you have to be in with MLB that's like how they, that's like how they slipped the rule of like you can't protest games anymore like yeah right, right through in 2021 like all of a sudden it's like nope uh, um, protesting games is strictly prohibited it's, it's like okay okay MLB you don't want to do the paperwork I got you so anyway uh, our guy Franchi Cordero Scott 
Frenchy Cordero. <laughs> you know he's been drinking his athletic greens. <laughs> he's that's the only has. explanation. He certainly with, has. With summer right around the corner, now is a great time to start a new routine, to have you feeling good for those summer months, looking good on the beach with your shirt off. There's no better routine that I can recommend than Athletic Greens. AG1 is a daily supplement that's packed with 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food, source ingredients, probiotics, and adaptogens that help you start your day right. It supports mental clarity and alertness. It gives you pre and probiotics, so it's good gut health, better sleep, quality, and recovery, and it boosts your energy. You know what I also realized, Scott, that's like a benefit that they don't even mention? What'd you realize, Andrew? Hydration. Like hydration. You're drinking water. Yes, like you that's are. part of it. Like, like drinking water is good for you. A lot of people struggle to drink water. I don't. I dr- I'm drinking water constantly. But yeah. Leanne literally sets reminders on her phone. She's probably going to kill me. She sets reminders on her phone. Oh, yeah, because she water. listens it's, to the podcast. It's like it's like people struggle like to remember to drink water, I guess. Anyway, yeah. so this you're getting like 12 ounces of water right there. Boom. Easy. AG1 contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals, or artificial flavoring. It's affordable. Each serving is less than three bucks. That's a small price to pay people. You have to try this out. It's so easy. You scoop it in, you shake it up, you drink it every day. There are 7,000 five-star reviews and athletes and health experts trusted around the world. So you know it's good. Go to athleticgreens.com slash pinstripes for a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and those five free travel packs, which are also very handy. So I got a question for you. Got is Frenchie Cordero this year's Rufman Ordor? Oh, I didn't even think uh, of Talkman. Is he this year's Rufman Ordor or is he this year's uh, Matt Carpenter? Uh, I, can I defer to my first answer of Mark, Mike Talkman? It's, it's, it's one of these outfielders that, that Brian Cashman has made a late play for. I mean, again, man, the... the Say what you want about Brian Cashman, but this dude does strike on no-name guys right before the season He's starts. He's great at finding bullpen arms and finding people off the scrap heap. Yeah, uh, yeah, guys who are about to get cut, or or you're looking at, um, you know, just just nondescript guys that they can come in and make a make a contribution. Yeah, Frenchy Cordero has been fantastic. You know, the the power uh, is that's is, an understatement, dude. Is, Four is home runs, eleven RBIs, leads the team, and only. 26 plate appearances. It's insane. Last year, 2021 and 2022 combined with Boston, he hit nine home runs and 411 plate appearances. Okay. He's already got four home runs in like barely any playing time. Yeah. He's been awesome. And the Yankees have needed, you know, a a guy like him to come in. He's had big production. So those home runs have been, you know, important home runs as well. So um, I'm, I'm I'm very excited about him. You know, I think a lot of people were scratching their head and we're like, oh, what are we doing? Willie Calhoun was just, you know, put in the minor leagues when when Cordero, it was a very puzzling move at the time because they were juggling around outfielders and they kept up Floreal, uh, you know, for the beginning of the season at that point too. So it was it was one of those like head scratchers, like what do, what do they see here? Cause clearly they saw something that that nobody else had seen. Um, but yeah, it's working out. It's working out great. It's working out great. And and Again, really, really is definitely uh, needed, you know, with the with what's happening. Because and what it does too is it allows um, Oswaldo to play into different different places. Yeah. Well, he was at he second base today. Stop. Played shortstop. He started at shortstop. That was the first game that Volpe didn't start on Tuesday. Yep. And they needed it because yeah. IKF, who would normally be that rotation infielder utility guy, is playing third base full time with Donaldson out, and uh, and so it allows them to be more flexible in in that way. And LeMahieu out today with the quads, which I understand. 
Yeah, we're going to talk about that stuff. Uh, <laughs> um, Sterling's call, you can bet the ranchy on Franchi. Is, uh, you know, it's great. He didn't have this ready to go for Franchi Cordero's first couple home runs. I think this is a, a, a new one. Took him a little time. He needed to, to marinate a little bit because I think I was listening when Cordero hit his first home run of the season and Sterling did not say this. So. I will say this. I don't mind, and uh, who knows if this is by design because it probably is not, but you got to hit a few to get a Sterling call. Like, you, you know, you should, that's fair. You should, you should get it. You should hit a few. To or, get a I mean, or, or you're like a big acquisition. Right. Or like a Volpe or somebody like that. You should have one ready. But a guy right. like French Cordero hit a few and then, and then maybe Sterling will give you one. I, 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 I appreciate that. Some fun facts on Franchi Cordero tied with Matt Carpenter for most home runs in the first seven games as a Yankee with four. Apparently, the leaders are Eric Kinski back in 2009 and Barry Foote in 1981, the mm. year you were born, Scott. Mm. Five. Wrong. But when yeah. were you born? I'm not talking 19, about that. 1980? Oh, yeah, it's right. a nice clean number. Yeah, conceived 81. in the 70s. What a shitty that's number. Right. I always forget that. Conceived in the 70s. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not talking about conception. <laughs> uh, he was a Yankee fan and Alex Rodriguez fan growing up. Uh, he's the only player in baseball history with the name Franchi. Yeah, uh, uh, and the the. <laughs> okay, keep going. It was a. It was uh, fun facts. Fun facts. Have fun while I'm saying these. Uh, his because they didn't they didn't want to name him Frankie, right? Yes, yeah, so they call him Franchi instead of Frankie. Yeah, yeah. How yeah. <laughs> <laughs> feel about that one? Um, <laughs> So, I mean, it's amazing. As you can tell, we're, we're not exactly buying the Franchi Cordero stock. Like, ride the hot hand while you got it. But if, oh, yeah. this, dude, if this dude just fizzles out, like, no one's going to be surprised. And it, this is one of those things, these, these like, random-ass hot streaks from these players you don't expect that if it works out long-term, great. Like, I'm sure we said this exact same thing about Jose Trevino last year in the first half, right? Like, mm-hmm. we're probably having the same conversation. And Jose Trevino is the starting catcher, and he was an all-star last year. Mm-hmm. Um, Matt Carpenter, I definitely put in a different category because he had a all-star caliber career yeah, with we've seen with it. with St. Louis. Odor was one of those things where it's like, didn't he also Odor hit a bunch of home runs like early uh, with the Yankees? Everyone's like, ah, Odor at thirty home run pop kind of thing. So I don't I remember know. that being a thing. I remember him striking okay, out quite often. I'm, He's a great, well, great teammate. Great teammate. Great teammate. Yeah, oh, he yeah. had some home runs, uh, but. Yeah, that, that, not in the same category. And if we're just looking at like the rest of the outfield, like Oswaldo Cabrera has had some big hits in the last week, which is great. And I, I think he's going to continue to be the the super utility player, right? Like, I guess outfielder with like super utility player as like the secondary role for Oswaldo Cabrera. Aaron Hicks is clearly the fifth outfielder at this point. And when Harrison Bader comes back, he'll be the sixth outfielder. Or they'll have a decision to make. And does Franchi Cordero still stay on this roster? Because um, that's going to be tough, that, right? It's like, how is that a how is that a conversation? How is that a conversation? I mean, if Franchi Cordero is zero for seventeen in his next seventeen at bats, like they're not going to keep him over Aaron Hicks, even though he has you know the home runs right now. Yeah, but well, if he's still hitting well, and Harrison Bader, like because Harrison Bader's playing in rehab games coming up yeah. this week, right? Let's go, Harrison! Hurry up! So Let's go. are we? Are we? 10 to 15 days away from Harrison Bader in the, in, with the team. He probably doesn't even need that much time. Maybe they'll slow roll him, but but because this is a this is a decision that they probably do not want to make. Um, but yeah, he's not that far away. Two weeks tops. If he's playing in, in rehab games, assuming everything goes well, two weeks tops. Like you, okay, you, so let's call it. Um, let's. I'm gonna pull up the because you know how they like to do this. Um, 
Did Bader like did Bader play? Or... How many did he play? Uh, how much spring training did he get in at all? So the Yankees got a four game. They have I'm trying a to remember when that coming. exactly happened. The injury did it happen? Uh, it happened into spring training. So he had he had definitely played some, but you know how much like this rehab is this? Does he need a full spring training? Does he need that? That's so they've got a pretty good uh, stretch of home games coming up against the Twins, Angels, and Blue Jays, which ends on the twenty third of April before they go on the road to Minnesota and Texas. Do you think that yeah, Bader only got six games of spring training? Okay. I mean, two weeks though. I think you're good. Two, two weeks. If he's playing, if he's playing two weeks, yeah, you yeah, get, for sure. You can get ten games plus some DH time. You're and, good at bats. Yeah. So two weeks time, we're looking at late in that homestand. So April twenty first weekend, best case scenario. So that's another you know week of games. If Franchi Cordero is still playing well and Aaron Hicks is still being Aaron Hicks, not catching hundred percent probability balls in center field, do what do they do? Phantom IL. For, for Aaron Hicks? Like, what's the situation? You know, the, this is the inevitable decision that's going to have to be made, whether it's right now or later in the season. Uh, I mean, I don't know who in their right mind sees Aaron Hicks turning this around to be a productive player. He hasn't been that for quite some time. So right. they're, they're either letting him go now and cutting their losses or letting them go in two months and cutting their losses. Why not do it now? Make the decision. Make the make the tough decision. It's not it's not really a tough decision. The only reason it's a tough decision is because of finances. It's a fiscal decision at this point, which makes no sense because the fiscal decision is now hurting your on the field, which then also hurts your fiscal decision. So get rid of him. My guess is they'll do the Phantom IL because that kicks the can down the road and it gives you some insurance if someone else goes down with an injury. Because like, did we expect? DJ LeMahieu to be day-to-day with a quad issue this week? Did we expect Glaber Torres to be day-to-day with a hip flexor groin issue this week? No. It's like these things just constantly are popping up. But again, the thing is with Aaron Hicks, uh, we're talking about what his contributions and what his value is to this of team. Course, I know that. I and know when that I'm looking at, when I'm looking around, I'm not seeing anything. So even if those guys go down, Maybe I don't want Aaron Hicks there anyway. Maybe I want someone else. Maybe I want Esteban Florial that every single team passed on and didn't sign and, and he cleared waivers over Aaron Hicks. Maybe I want, you know, anybody else that's on the AAA roster to come up and have the, the semblance of a shot and a little fire in their ass to, to get this instead of a guy who expects to play every day and then cries about it. The unfair thing for Franchi Cordero is it's like he almost has to maintain this level of production for the Yankees to keep him on the roster when Bader comes back over someone like Hicks. And that's completely unfair. Logan. You won't, okay, let me ask you a question. Would you prefer Aaron Hicks or Willie Calhoun? Uh, that's a coin flip. But I'm saying, like, that's what it is. That, so it doesn't mean anything. That's my point. It means no, it, doesn't. it doesn't mean him. There's him. no impact, positive or negative. Well, there's no positive impact that really either of those two guys are providing. But that's the thing. Like, you're, you're saying that you kick the can down the road to a phantom IL. But again, what does that do? It does nothing. Because even if he were healthy, and even if someone right. were to go down, he's not the guy that you would want to replace them anyway. So I, I, I think it, at some point, he, he very well could be, you know, a distraction with, with, the, with the sentiment and all the things that are going on. At some point, you could look at it as that too. So I, I just don't, I don't see where his, I don't see how he has a place on this, on this team, to be honest. He's not an everyday player and he's not a backup player. What is he? He's um, a DFA. Just, just some uh, clarification more on the umpire stuff. So the umpires initially went to the Yankees dugout to explain that the call on the field, which was that Quan scored tagging from third 
base before the double ah, play was completed. And it was clear he did not score. Umps then convened and decided that one would not score, but the catch was good. But because they convened, they were able to challenge. I assume that the convening on the mound was why the scoreboard operator put up that he was, that the play was under review because they were convening. They were not convening over the catch, but because they were convening, apparently that like prolongs the, you know, because it's the middle of the inning. It's not like another pitch is going to be thrown. Right. So then, so, so then still, how do they get to the point that they're, that they're challenging? Because they were, they were standing in the middle. They were yeah. standing in the middle of the field, and then like Francona looks at the scoreboard and hears the stadium, and is like, "Oh well, I guess maybe I should challenge this." Oh, so it did come from up. Francona at the end. Yeah, he challenged. He challenged the call because at the end of the the challenge, when they said Cleveland keeps their challenge, because I didn't think that you could, because the umpire, do the umpires have the ability to just overturn a call without? No, but that's what the yes broadcast team was talking about. They, they were do. saying that the umpires were the ones that did it rather than Francona. So that's right. What I the was, umpires can initiate a challenge, but. The way I, I mean, when I heard the umpires at the end, they said, you know, catch is not good. The, the runners are placed here and here. Um, Cleveland retains their challenge. So to me, I was like, all right, well, they clearly challenged the call. Right. Yeah, that, it's a weird situation. The call was right. So can only complain about it so much. Uh, a couple, you know, some other notes from the series. <clears throat> the, the, the loss on Monday. Yankees walked nine hitters. Herman looked terrible. Mm-hmm. Five walks in three innings. Didn't strike out anybody. Colton Brewer brief, briefly saved the game in those middle innings. Um, Ian Hamilton, then his Shambino, ended up you know giving it up. Sack fly in the seventh. Change up. The Yankees just wasted so many opportunities. Whatever the fuck the pitch is called. The Yankees just wasted so many opportunities. The big one was the Glaber leadoff um, triple in the eighth inning with Judge, Rizzo, and Stanton coming up. And Karenchik gets them pop out, strike out, strike out. That's 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 the game right there. Yeah, he was fired up. Krenchik's the uh, the the guy that that did the whole uh, wild thing. Yep, right. And MO. Geo hit the grand slam off of him in whatever yeah. year that was twenty twenty. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, it was. That was one. That was one of the best baseball moments actually, because he looked like <laughs> such an ass after all. That, that. was like and, the only good baseball moment of twenty twenty was yeah. Geo's grand slam off of freaking Krenchik. Yeah, yeah. That's like a. This is totally going to date, but it's a timeless movie. The Indiana Jones, when the guy is wielding a sword and he pulls out the gun and just shoots him. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, like, it's like that, you know? Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, they, they had opportunities for sure. They had um, opportunities off Bieber too because Bieber didn't look good in early in that game and, and they threatened in the first three innings and they only scored two runs and then that was it. Bieber shut him down after that, which fine. You get shut down by Bieber. Like Bieber's going to settle into to a game, right? Like yeah. I get it. But yeah. you walk nine hitters as a pitching staff, awful. And then yep. you waste an opportunity with a guy on third base and the heart of your lineup coming up and you can't hit a hit a sack fly. Right. Yeah. The whole cliche is you get to the get to the the the, the good pitchers early because you're not going to get to them again. That's exactly what happened with Bieber. He ended up pitching, you know, what, seven strong? It was it seven innings uh that he went, I think. And yeah, he went seven. And, he was strong after after the, you know, shut him down after the third inning. Yeah. Just completely so, shut them down. And that's something that, that you have to almost expect from a guy like that. If you get to him, like you know that that's very, very possible once he settles into a game. So um, it's not like the Yankees were in control of that game necessarily. Like they, you feel good about getting early runs off Bieber, but when you're walking guys like Herman was doing, um, you're shooting yourself in the foot at that point. So it was not a game um, that they honestly deserved to win at that point. And, and you're right, like not you don't score a guy from third base with the heart of your lineup, it's it's just one of those games that gets away. But they ended up doing doing well. And and you know, another thing, um, 
or do you want to go to, to Tuesday's game? Because we got some some more Garrett Cole positive things. I'd we say got some after. Garrett Cole stuff. Before yeah. that, though, I know you don't live in Jersey anymore, but it's going to be 80 degrees here this week. I got my air conditioning on right now. Okay. Yeah. It's only yeah. April. Air conditioning on. All of a sudden, it's hot out. Um, when it's hot, for whatever reason, I'm like, I need sunglasses now. Like, I know yeah. that's like, doesn't make any sense. Like it, it makes no sense. In the win- it could be sunny in the winter. I just usually mm-hmm. don't wear my sunglasses in the winter. You should actually wear sunglasses when you're uh, like skiing too. Well, the I wear glare. goggles. The glare. Goggles. Goggles. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. That's anyway. There, if you're going to go get a new pair of sunglasses, there's absolutely no better pair to buy and wear than Shady Rays. There, I, Shady Rays is a sunglasses company that is world class, just as good as any expensive pair you can find. Something that Shady Rays offers uh, that those big expensive brands don't is the guarantee if you lose or break them that they'll just send you a new pair, no questions asked. Listen, that's not... You got to be a very trustworthy company in order to do that. That builds a lot of customer loyalty. And so you know that that's huge when you're buying from Shady Rays. Their frames are durable, which is important if you're going to be doing outside activities. I also like that... You know how some sunglasses like very easy the uh, or glasses you open and close them and then that just that sort of tension goes and then if you want to fold them on your shirt and you bend over they're just going to fall out of your shirt yeah yeah no, no these they, they they so far for me they've stayed really firm and they stay on my shirt and i know even if they do fall out and guess what they're going to send me a new pair it's it's just it's amazing uh shady rays is giving their best deal to our listeners go to shadyrays.com Use promo code BRONX for 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. Again, code BRONX for 50% off at ShadyRays.com. Some fantastic snow goggles as well. Garrett. Garrett Cole. Garrett Cole. Settled into that game on Tuesday. Did Did not look good after the first inning. He started that game. What was it? uh, It was like single, double, double sack fly or something to start the game. So I was comparing his first three starts of this year versus last year. And I don't think we realize how bad his first three starts were last year. Those three starts last year, 11 in a third innings, nine hits, eight runs, seven walks, three home runs allowed. The three starts are like three of the starts we always go back to from last year as being the worst. And they all happened to start the season. The Billy Crystal debacle against Boston. The Vlad Jr. game where Vlad took him deep twice. And and then the game in Detroit where he walked five in an inning and two-thirds. That all happened in Garrett Cole's first three starts last year. This year, he's been complete opposite of that. 19 and a third innings, 11 hits allowed, only three earned runs, seven walks, zero home runs. Zero long balls so far in three starts. What's interesting is when you look at the numbers, the stat line themselves, the ones that, that we got in the notes here, that's actually the only difference is the home runs. Because when well, you look the at the innings, pitched the innings, well. the innings I mean, pitched, well, because of the home runs. But when you look at, he's still giving up a good amount of hits, still walking guys, uh, you know, seven walks. The walks are goals. concerning. Three, yes. 3.3 walks per nine innings so far. Like that is still giving up a lot thing. of hits, giving up a lot of hits as well. They're just not going out of the park. So, Five. you know, he was giving, I understand this, but I just want to make a point where he's limiting the the damage that's done. So yes, he's giving up some hits and he's still he's striking out a lot of guys still, but he's not giving up that big home run. Whereas last year that was killing him. Yeah. And and this year, yeah, he's still like still guys are still getting on base. They're striking out a lot. Um, but they're not he's he's limiting the damage of the of the of the the big, you know, three run home run or or grand slam or whatever it is that that completely um, takes him out of a game. And that's a huge deal. If you keep the ball in the ballpark, you can get away with 
pitching to contact a little, a little more and getting, you know, allowing some, some base hits. It's not a big deal. Well, I wonder if there's been any sh- non-shift hits off of him. I, it's a good I thing can't to, none good of thing them to, can stick out check. in my mind, but, but it's like, yeah, 11 hits in 19 and a third innings. That's far, that, that's still far less than a hit per inning, but like uh, he's not getting hit hard. It's the walks, like three, 3.3 walks per nine innings is concerning, especially because yeah. he could still be prone to home runs. So if he has, yes. if he gives up a home run and there's first and third because he walked a guy and gave up a hit or something like that, then yeah, that's a completely different story. Well, also, um, when you're walking a lot of guys, that means you're missing your location, most likely. And if you're missing your location, a lot of times you, you, you very well could leave the ball over the uh, over the heart of the plate. But what what this is telling me, and not, not to say that this is an exact takeaway from this stat line, but last year when he's missing, balls over the plate, uh, walking guys, this year missing, he's missing off the plate. You know, missing off the plate and the walks are there. Home runs are not there. So, you know, you can, you can miss, you, you can have a good miss and, and be fine with that. You can have a very bad miss and pay for it. And that's exactly what happened last year. He was paying for his bad misses uh, because he's leaving balls over the plate. And we're just not seeing that same thing, which is a great thing. When you have a power pitcher, you want him to attack the strike zone. You want him to, to uh, you know, put, put his best stuff out there and let the, let the guys, um, you know, take their shot at it. And, and that's when hits will come. But if you're, if you're missing over the plate, when you're trying to be cute, that's when bad things happen. And and he's just not doing that so far. So it's a good yeah. cleanup. Yeah. And he's been he's been the rock in the rotation that they've needed right now as we're trying to get guys back and healthy. And you've got Domingo Herman going out there, giving up five walks, and you've got Schmidt trying to figure his stuff out. Like Cole's been rock solid. That's exactly what they've needed. Joins Whitey Ford in 1956 and Waite Hoyt in 1922. He's the only Yankee starters in history to have Three wins, a sub 1.5 ERA, and 20 plus strikeouts in the first three starts. You know what's funny? Um, there's a guy named Whitey Ford, and that's not even the whitest name on that list. White Hoyt has got to be the whitest name of all time. 1922 and 1956. Yeah, it's been a while. Garrett Cole, 19 or 19, 2023. We, we uh, I mean, you know, he he feels there's been a lot of injuries in the in the rotation, obviously. So, you know, I don't know how much of this is 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 Garrett Cole understanding that that is is a fact, and and that there are guys that uh, the Yankees cannot rely on in the rotation, and he's got to, you know, pitch to that higher level and make sure that he's shouldering the load here. Um, but whether or or maybe it's just a haircut, who knows? But I he's doing so. it. He's doing it, and 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 that gives me what? that gives me a lot of confidence, and that and that that confidence level as a fan is appreciated. I appreciate it because that's what I want from my number one. I want to feel confident. I want to think that when, when he's getting the ball on a given day, that we have a very good opportunity to win every single time, every single time. And he's instilling that confidence right now. Two more things I wanted to touch on from the series. Uh, number one, we saw a very rare Aaron Judge, just uh, bad play, bad base running play on Tuesday's game when he reached base on an error by Ramirez and then got thrown out trying to tag to second base on that ball to center field where he hesitated, that was just like a bad base running play, like didn't have the right instinct there. Very rare from Judge. And then also, what did you think today of Volpe leading off after, you know, getting, getting, uh, yeah, he didn't get benched, but the day off the day before, he had yeah. been going through, you know, he had played every game, started every game, maybe, maybe struggling a little bit at the plate, then bring him back, lead off on the getaway day. Yeah. 
I mean, I like it. We we talked about him in the in the leadoff spot where you know at, at some point it, it could make a lot of sense if he's if he's there. Like he he does fit the mold of a prototypical leadoff guy, and I think that because of the um, you know the increase of uh, of activity on the base path, you're 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 now looking at those prototypical leadoff guys a little differently than you have in the last five years. So, and it, it does force him into a different position as well. And with the uh, with the names that they were trotting out there in the outfield. Um, you know, he doesn't really belong at the bottom of the lineup anymore. You could see him up there. So I thought it was good. Let off, you know, started it off well. Um, I could see him long term. I could definitely see him in that spot. Yeah. There, I mean, you obviously want DJ uh, there, but with, mm-hmm. with him out, I wonder if they're going to stick with Volpe there while, while DJ is day to day. Like, how long do we expect DJ to be out? Like, you're, you're a guy experiencing quad. Issues. I am a guy. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Big time. And you so pulled three, a Tanaka. We did not talk about this on the show. I don't think you I think we did. No, we did. We, we talked did. about it. I pulled no, a Tanaka. Think... Did we not talk about it? Guys, do you remember us talking about Scott pulling a Tanaka in softball? softball two quads. Okay, let's talk about it. So week one quad muscles running the bases in softball. I'm like on like the third step out of the box. Third step out of the box. Remember I was when like, Tanaka pulled both hamstrings trying to tag up. Yeah. Yeah. It felt like it felt like a sniper just just bam, bam. I'm like, I, I I was just I couldn't move. It was it was bad. And then I continued to play the rest of the game and I paid for it the rest like that <laughs> night. I for, and and it's it's uh, you know, we're we're three weeks, four weeks later now, four weeks later, and and it's still it's still there. You know, it doesn't feel like it's there um until you start running and you you uh. you like you you get that full stride and as soon as my leg goes all the way back behind it's like when you kick your heels to your butt and you get that full extension of your quad that's when you really start to feel it and and it's and it comes back with a vengeance too and it really does limit you holy shit it limits what you can do um so I, I really hope that he doesn't have a could bad a, a bad series, one. Right? They could have him out for the weekend. Um, just give him the day. Um, but then you're riding a man down at that point. Put him on the ten day IL. You might. I don't know. It, it, well, they'll 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 definitely retroactive something if they think it's it's lingering. But they're also going to probably. I think in a few days you can you can tell if it's still there if it's lingering, and then they'll they they would be able to to retroactively put him on. But um, yeah, it's you know it's a it's a soft tissue. It's a why tissue injury and those can either go away quickly or they can linger and be a pain in the ass um and just affect your mobility and and running straight line that's that's where i i felt i still feel it like verdicts horizontally you don't feel it as much but when you start when you're running forward you can definitely feel it so the yankees got the twins coming into town for four game series they're off to a good start they're in first place um Pitching is lining up for Brito on Thursday for the Yankees, Cortez on Friday, Herman on Saturday, and then Garrett Cole back on Sunday. Uh, the Yankees are going to be missing your guy, Sonny Gray. He's off to a good start so yep. far, two games, 0.75 ERA. Yep. Uh, Lopez has been really good, 1.35 ERA, yep. six strikeouts. That one's frustrating. Yes. Uh, he's going to be pitching. Pablo Lopez is against Cole on Sunday. That's a solid pitching matchup. That is a very good pitching matchup. Uh, going to see John uh, John Ryan on Thursday, Tyler Maley on Friday, Kenta Maeda on Saturday. So good pitching uh, uh, for this week. So they're not going to see Joey Gallo. Joey Gallo is on the IL, so the Yankees will not see him this series. I was like, oh, how's Joey Gallo doing? And I went to his baseball reference page, and my jaw dropped. The man is hitting 278, mm. which for any normal baseball player is like hitting 500. 
278. I never thought I would see a two in front, and I never thought I'd see a high two for Joey Gallo's batting average with three home runs in seven games. So small sample size, but 278 for the man Gallo. Is this a shift thing? We uh, we think do we think that uh, or is he actually like tried? Maybe he maybe he said, you know what? Maybe I should try to change my swing. Maybe I should try <laughs> maybe to make. Maybe I'm going to be out of baseball if I don't make some adjustments. <laughs> yeah. So you know, for him, if he does that, then then good for him. I you know, I I, I wish him well at this point. Not really, but it's fine. Um, uh, just he's not going to be playing. But yeah, that's a that's that's an impressive number. Two seventy eight batting average, Joey Gallo. Good for him. I'm, a fr- I'm, s- I'm sad we're not going to see him, though, because that would have been a nice uh, nice little reunion. Nice little reunion. Eh, maybe he'll still get booed from the injured list. Who knows? <laughs> um, but, yeah, that's a – again, like I've said in the past, the Minnesota Twins, there's something coming. There's something coming still. I'm still waiting for it. It's- You're waiting for the other shoe to drop. I'm waiting for the vengeance tour for the Minnesota the, Twins. The Yankees, the Yankees have lost like 11 games in the last 20 years against the Twins. Yeah. Right. You're just you're nervous. At some point, it's gonna flip. You at some point, do. you it's believe not gonna, in do. I do, I do, and it happened with the Orioles. And at some point, it's gonna happen with the Twins. And I, I don't want to see it in my lifetime. Listen up, everybody, especially you guys out there. I've got a special offer to tell you about: the newest addition to your daily self care routine. Are you ready to get back into your routine this baseball season? Do you shower? How about brush your teeth? Come on, I know you do all of those things. You probably also manscaped to keep the ladies in your life happy. And there's no shame in that. Self-care is cool and something to be proud of. That's why you need to add Sword Vitality Excalibur to your daily routine as well. Sword Vitality Excalibur can encourage optimal sexual health by increasing blood flow to help you thrive when it matters. Trust me, you might think your girl is happy, but what if she could be even happier? This 30-day regimen designed to benefit your reproductive function can help maintain a healthy libido and stamina. I mean, who doesn't want to last longer? The fact of the matter is that 40% of men experience impotence at age 40 and nearly 70% of men by age 70. It is time to take control of your sexual health. Stop buying sketchy pills at the gas station or hiding that little blue pill in your sock drawer. Get Sword Vitality instead. This is a product to be proud of. It looks good on the shelf, it sure as hell feels good, and it shows your partner that you care about them. Add Sword Vitality to your pregame and you'll always be ready for game time. Visit swordvitality.com and use promo code BRONX21 at checkout for a nice discount. That's swordvitality.com, promo code BRONX21. That discount won't be the only nice thing you're getting. So a couple of uh, some injury updates. Sevy threw a bullpen session and it was positive. He threw 22 pitches. His next step is going to be facing live hitters, which can only be categorized as wet throws. Mm. Carlos Rodon threw a bullpen session. Did that happen today on Wednesday? Do we have reports on how that bullpen session went? Yeah, a little yeah. tight back and then still wet, and then he threw right afterwards. So there was some uh, some reports of like tight back going to be maybe something. And then all of a sudden he was thrown again. So much ado about nothing, I guess. Okay. And then we already mentioned Glaber and I, DJ. I just re- rewatched. I was watching some stuff, and I, I stumbled across the uh, spring training clip from uh, when Radon came out there of us talking about him. Um, oh, and man. you questioned his mental yeah. fortitude after, yeah, yeah, yeah. after throwing eleven pitches. Who knew that I was right on that one immediately? That was that was Boy, something. Uh, something still, was buzzing my ear about that, that this one. This is not mental fortitude. This is physical fortitude. No, the reason why the physical fortitude failed was because of the mental fortitude, okay? It was because of the mental toughness. Just in this mentally st- weak? 
Yes, because he was throwing too goddamn hard when he didn't have to. He was trying to be a tough guy. And and that's what happened here. Got well, bit. We're, we're in for a long got six, seven years. Is it seven years there in four, six years? However freaking long that No, this is, is, you know what? He learned his lesson. Okay. He learned his lesson. We're going to be fine. It's going to be good. I can't wait for him to be back. So I want to do a quick segment called, I'm calling it, Do You Remember When? And it's about Tino Martinez because he's having a bobblehead night on mm-hmm. Friday. Nice little bobblehead. Follow through of the bat. Looks good. Oh, yeah. Tino. Love Tino. Do you remember when Tino returned to the Yankees in 2005? And from May 7th through the 15th, which is eight games, he hit eight home runs, 11 for 31 with 19 RBIs. Yeah, what a, what a stretch. It was amazing. This is when the Yankees were just like, I think Giambi was dealing with so many problems uh, from steroids. So he's dealing with injury problems. <laughs> um, Nick Johnson, like Nick Johnson wasn't, was like the prospects people were thinking of. Yeah. <laughs> people were like, oh, everyone's excited for Nick Johnson. I think yeah, he was the in- next Don Mattingly. He was a gold glove first baseman, looked like Babe Ruth, hit like uh they had Andy Phillips playing first base. I think Doug Mankavich was in there somewhere. It was just a collection of random ass people at first base. And for a brief stretch in May, Tino Martinez was Babe Ruth, and it was awesome. I love Tino. He returned after playing in St. Louis for two years in Tampa in 2004. So I was also looking at Tino in 2001, his last year with the Yankees, hit 280 with an 830 OPS and 34 home runs with 113 RBIs, finished 12th in MVP voting. Good year, right? Good year. Good year. And the Yankees were like, nah, we don't want you. We're moving on. Like, I understand Giambi was otherworldly at that time, but Tino wasn't bad. Like, so, I don't know. That's a second guess, I guess. I mean... They, they've, they've had, they've done that. They did it with Clemens and Wells. They've done it. They've done it a number of times where they're, they're, they're looking at, you know, trying to capitalize on the grass is, a, is greener uh, guy. But, um, you know, Giambi was a good player. Steroids. Well, yeah. speaking of, speaking of steroids, Evan Gaddis, Evan Gaddis just had himself a day on Twitter, man, talking about the cheating scandal again. Did we just notice this, or is he always like that? I've never even heard Evan Gaddis's name on Twitter. Like, I didn't know he was like a, I don't know, did he just get drunk one night and just start going on Twitter rampage? Yeah. Um, obviously admitted to the trash can bangs and benefiting from it. Did mention that he hit his home run in, in game seven off mm-hmm. CC mm-hmm. with the use of a trash can. Bang, mm-hmm. which, and Newton, yes, which just a little extra know, dagger. Just thanks. Appreciate that. Randomly, randomly, he's just like, oh yeah, I was on PEDs as well. <laughs> okay, great. Good job, MLB, catching all those all those PED guys. Um, he did say he he what he also said was he didn't know if buzzers were being used. He didn't say yes or no. He said, I don't know if buzzers were being used. If they were it's one of those things where we're like when Kenteko started telling the truth, we're like, Oh yeah, I believe him because you know, he's so full of shit. He's always been full of shit. But then when he started like, Yeah, the PED stuff, like, oh yeah, now I believe him because it's convenient. I um, mean, is that one of I these believe, moments? I believe Evan Gaddis was on steroids. Look at him. Sure. I believe Evan Gaddis benefited from the trash can. Band. Yes. Okay, and good. I believe he didn't know about the buzzers because I feel like he would have said if they were using buzzers at this point. Yeah, that, that is true. If it was well known that, that if he knew about it at, with the truth <laughs> serum that he's taken over the last week or so, then then yeah. But no, you know what? I don't like that. I don't like that. It, it made me feel my stomach was in yeah. knots. I was I was annoyed again thinking back to that point because man, you know, 
they really did rob that team. That that team, that team was going to win the World Series. They were going to win the World Series. I mean, the Dodgers didn't. were freaking good. No, they were they were there. They were there, and it was uh, it's just it's such a goddamn shame to because because when you see what what could have been from that new core if they had gone and and finished that year as champions, we could we could be looking at a very different time period of of the last five years. And how we and how said the this, I've said this a million times. I don't think they could justifiably move on from Joe Girardi if that team went to the World Series. Oh God, no! You can't. Which now I'm not even saying winning the World Series. If you go to the World Series, I mean they were the closest you could get to going to the World Series. But I think it would have been really hard sell to to Hal to say we need to change our manager when we were just in the World Series and we were expected to maybe compete for a playoff spot this year. Yeah, I mean, it was a tough sell in the beginning anyway, just just of, of what happened, them losing where they did. It was still a pretty pretty tough sell, especially after, uh, you know, how they how they fought back in Cleveland, but they still did it. So, you know, who's to, who's to say that they wouldn't have done it at that point as well, just because sound, it felt like their mind was made up. That would have been, that would have been crazy though. All right, yeah. that's it. That's all we got to say. Anything else you want? Minnesota, let's go beat some uh, another series win. That's what's on the that's what's on the horizon, right? That's well, what now we're they at. got a four game series, so you got to win three out of four. It's going to mess up the whole hundred and eight win pace. Yeah, well, in, for in, for good purposes, right? No, there are, you, you mentioned those some good pitching matches. Uh, so yeah. seeing Brito again, uh, I'm interested to see how he does another another rotation uh, turn through. So it'll be good, fun to watch uh, baseball. Next time we talk will be a day before. Bevan is running the marathon. I'm heading up to Boston on Friday. Um, so I'm going to take some uh, some stuff with me and we'll, we'll talk when I'm in uh, when I'm up there and and she's leading up to to running 26 freaking miles, which is crazy. We will definitely talk about that on next episode. Uh, talk to you guys Monday. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees.